Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show presented by The Big Lead. As we come to a close here in 2021, we want to thank everybody who listened to this podcast on purpose. And even those who listened accidentally, your clicks, your views, they all matter when it comes to the bottom line. But in all honesty, it was great to kind of build this show up uh, over the course of the year. First episode was right before the last Super Bowl. So I guess we've been at it for about 11 months here. Tried to keep it semi-regular and dive into a lot of different topics. And I have to say, and I've said this many times when it comes to the written side of the big lead, We really do appreciate the engagement and you taking time out of your day to come to us for a distraction because that's kind of how we see our role anyway is just adding a little bit of levity, a little bit of entertainment to your life. You know, we're not super professional about it, but every little bit counts. So that's an earnest and heartfelt opening to this episode, which will be diving into some negative territory Also coming to a close is the NFL season. And let me tell you, there's a lot of bad teams. There's a lot of coaches who feel the seat getting warmer underneath their rear ends. And like any self-respecting media company, we've identified the five most likely candidates to be looking for employment elsewhere because they could be a casualty on Black Monday. Joining me today is frequent guest, longtime recurring staple of this program, Ryan Phillips. He's coming from an undisclosed location. Uh, I think it's some relative studio. The equipment may not be up to snuff. So if you hear a slight reverb or some hollowness on his end, that is nothing to do with his capacity to set it up. It's just an equipment issue, lack thereof. We strive to overcome obstacles here on the Kyle Coster Show. So Ryan, thank you for joining microphone As it may be, I know we're going to have a good time. 
as you sat down to write this post about coaches who we all think are somewhat doomed, was it easy to come up with five? Was it hard to pare down to five? Or how do you think that this season has played out in relation to others previous in terms of coaches feeling the heat and like they might be getting a ticket out of town? Well, it was easy to come up with Matt Nagy. I think after that, it was a little, it was, it was interesting to sort of look at this list and really, you know, there were some surprising names on it. Uh, once I sort of dove into the numbers and, and looked at, you know, team situations with the salary cap and who's going to be a free agent and all that. And, and sometimes when that stuff is coming up, teams just want to hit the reset button instead of, you know, try and hang on with a coach that's not being successful. I, I will say that recently over the last couple of years, I've noticed that the NFL teams are just being far less patient than they used to be you're getting three years if you're not if you're not improving in three years sometimes two if you're not improving things they're going to look for the next thing because with the way the salary cap is in the nfl and the parity across the league you can jump up with a good coach to a playoff team if you're you know constantly going six and ten seven and nine uh, or i guess seven and ten and six and eleven now uh you can really jump up in a few game difference you know some better clock management a few late game drives, something like that, you can really move into the playoff contention. And so I think teams are being far less patient these days. And, and I think that, you know, that's not a bad thing because, it, it, you know, if you're six, if, if, you, if you've won six, seven games with a guy for three years in a row, what evidence do you have that that's going to turn around, especially in today's NFL? I think that you really have to show something very quickly and, uh, Whereas in college, it's, you got to get your own recruits in and all that stuff. I mean, NFL rosters all have some pretty good players on them. And, and it's, you know, you've got to be able to show something quickly. It's indicative of our culture, which is kind of like an instant gratification and not wanting to wait for results. We see that in the college game a lot. I think that that was kind of bucked. The big example in the college game is Jim Harbaugh as example of what can happen if you stick with someone through four or five years. It's a little bit different in the NFL because it is set up to have more parity. There is a drastic need to show some sort of bright hope for the future. Oftentimes that revolves around whoever the starting quarterback is now and who the starting quarterback is going to be for the future. And I think as we go through this list, we'll see how everybody's fate is kind of inextricably tied to that signal caller who sometimes the head coach has a say in who that is, but more often than not, they don't. Now we should say that the five coaches we're going to talk about on this podcast have made it longer than two who have already been dismissed for different reasons in the NFL this year. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders, John Gruden and the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer. Now, both of them had scandals. Gruden, obviously an ugly one with the racially motivated, ugly language in those emails that leaked. But it sounds like that was kind of like the tip of the iceberg. And that was something that people knew what was going on. And it's only been brought to public light that forced Al Davis and ownership to make that decision. And then with urban Meyer, you know, you throw a dart at the board and you're going to find a reason why he's gone. The incident at his bar and just a genuine disinterest in doing the job, which was something that people pegged early on. Like, Urban Meyer is going to fail at this. He's not going to like this. He's going to cut bait, and he's going to run, as he always does. So Amazing how it worked out exactly how people predicted with that one, too. 
You know, it really is. And I think that if we were sitting here at the beginning of the year, the Gruden thing was a massive surprise because he had a 10-year deal, an extremely lucrative contract. He was having success with the Raiders in terms of we kept asking the question, hey, are these guys good? Because we couldn't tell. They lived in this purgatory of like eight and eight. So I think if nothing else, they added a 17th game just so we could uh, get them off the 500 mark. Uh, You know, I think that maybe Jeff Fisher shares some responsibility for that too. But I think that those two situations were so combustible that they couldn't get through the season. It's my personal belief that firing a coach in season doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense in the pros right now, because it's not like in college where you go out and you try to get someone before the bowl game and you get a head start on recruiting. Everybody's about on the same time frame, and you're not going to get someone in on an interim tag to take over and be the long-term solution. Unless it's someone who's been with the organization for a long time, that was going to get a chance anyway. So let's dive right in. The one you mentioned at the top is the most obvious, and it's kind of a surprise he's still there, is Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears. This is his fourth year, his first year he took over. Chicago went 12-4. and The feel-good vibes were there. They lost that weird playoff game on the double doink to the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Had they won that game, I thought that they had the talent to really compete and maybe make the NFC Championship game. Two years at eight and eight in a failed Mitch Trubisky experiment later. This year has been nothing but heartache as the team drafted Justin Fields. Nagy showed some unwillingness to play Fields right out of the gate. Right now, the Bears are at five and 10 and seem particularly listless. This offense has never materialized for someone who is pegged as having a great offensive mind. And it's just kind of been a results oriented thing where it's just not there. It doesn't seem like there's a big personality issue with him. It seems like he's saying and doing the right things, but it's a guy whose public comments kind of reflected he's knows whose public comments kind of reflect that he knows that he's on borrowed time. Yeah. He's just, it's just, it's not working. I mean, that's, you know, he was, he was an Andy Reed, uh, he was Andy Reed's offensive coordinator in Kansas city. So everybody thought, okay, he's going to come in bring this dynamic offense. The bears hallmark when they went 12 and four was their defense, you know, and, and, and went to the playoffs. It was not the offense. And um, then, you know, it's the Trubisky thing where they're, they, they, you know, they have him, but he's not developing. He's not getting better. They bring in Nick Foles and that didn't work at all. And then they, now they draft Justin Fields and they don't design an offense for Justin Fields' skill set, they just try and run what they were running with Trubisky. It just doesn't work. And, and after four years of not progressing, it, it's time to go. I mean, he probably should have been fired last year because, again, back-to-back eight and eight seasons. I know they made the playoffs last year at eight and eight, but it's kind of a joke. Um, but, but, you know, back-to-back eight and eight seasons, it doesn't look like there's any initiative to move forward. There's no changing anything. There's no adjustments. And so you have to feel like he and probably – Bears GM Ryan Pace are on the way out and I think that people wanted them gone last year uh and and they'll go now and and look Nagy might be one of those guys he's only 43 he might be one of those guys who's like Josh McDaniels who's just better as a coordinator you know who has the the mind for that but isn't great at organization isn't great at running a team and honestly there's nothing wrong with that there are a lot of great coordinators who should stay coordinators and there's another guy on this list who's that way And, and so I think that he's just, it's just been so like you, you said it perfectly listless. It's been a listless last three years in Chicago and nothing's moving forward. I think he's gone. I think he probably should have been gone a while ago. Yeah. I mean that one year where they go 12 and four, they are ninth in the NFL in points per game. 
Then the last three years, 29th, 22nd. Now they are 28th. You look at the yardage totals, 29th, 26th, 26th. Like that's bottom 15% of the league consistently. Uh, He was highly touted coming over from Kansas City. You look at the Kansas City stats. His one year as the OC there, they were sixth in points and fifth in yards. Now, obviously that has not come to fruition like you said, the bears were good when they relied on their defense and the defense was number one overall in 2018, that, that successful first year since then they've gone to fourth down to 14th and this year they're 24th. So like you want to say that, like, it's not all on him in the offensive system that just comes with the back slapping answer that it's also these, the kind of allowed a marquee defensive unit to rot and doesn't, particularly impose a lot of fear into defenses. The one thing I would say about his overall mark, which is 33 and 30, is that they play in a division with the Detroit Lions, who essentially are two free wins every single year. So you look at that, you say, okay, well, overall, he's over 500. He's never been below 500 before this year, which he is statistically doomed to finish. But that's counting those two free games against the Detroit Lions, which serve as kind of like this panacea to make things look better than they are and ultimately i think led to that playoff which led to that playoff berth last year kind of juiced them up when they had no business being in there anyway and i think you're exactly right we watched that game that was down at new orleans that was the nickelodeon game and it was just everybody felt a little bit slimy after it because it was just like there is no punch here this guy just does not have it he is not the future and how could this be the number two overall pick Nagy shares a giant load of that responsibility because it was made in concert with his wishes now Ryan Pace is a different story I don't know if he's going to survive too this might be a uh situation where crap runs downhill but it's really tough for Nagy to absolve himself because the one quarterback that he was down with drafting a few years ago didn't pan out. And the other one who I think will be the franchise quarterback in Justin Fields certainly was not welcomed in with open arms. And Nagy showed an inability or an unwillingness, more concerningly, to develop a game plan that allowed Fields to use his unique skill set. Yeah, and, and I think that's the biggest indictment is you get this uber talented kid Fields, and, and whether or not Fields works out, you know that that's you know you never know. It's a crapshoot with NFL quarterbacks. He's certainly not going to work out in this system, though. I think, and I think that that's the reason you know Nagy's going. It's because the Bears know they they have to get somebody in who can develop Fields, and right now that's not working. And so that's that's the key here with 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 Pace. You know whether or not he goes or not. He's the guy switching quarterbacks every two years. You know what I mean? And, and so it's it's on him. He's the one who made the trade for Nick Foles when he had a huge contract. And, and Jacksonville was more than happy to get rid of him. Uh, so I think that you have to, in some ways, if you're an NFL GM, you have to pick your guy and stick with him. And, and they weren't going to do that with Mitchell Trubisky because he wasn't that good. And... But, you know, instead of giving Trubisky that, that extra year, he went and got Foles. And, and I think that you're just changing horses midstream at that point. And you, you had the opportunity, kudos to them, had the opportunity to get fields, went and got him. But now you've got to actually put people around him and can develop him. Because I think as we've seen over time, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a perfect example, incredibly talented, but he's not going to do anything unless he has people around him who can develop him. And, and that, that's been shown this year is he has not been very good. And we know, we all know what he can do and he hasn't been very good. Whereas you put, 
you know, a guy like Justin Herbert in a situation where he has a ton of weapons. Look at that. He's successful. You put Joe Burrow in a situation where he has a ton of weapons. Successful. So I think it, it really depends on who you put uh, around guys, and the Bears just haven't done that for Fields yet. In the interest of remaining positive going into the new year, let's kind of extrapolate out what, extrapolate out what could happen for the Bears if they do indeed move on from Nagy and look at maybe who a good fit would be for them going forward. And, and a name that's been bandied about is Byron Leftwich. He's the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. He has certainly earned a chance at a head coaching job in the NFL. And the other hot name that's been floating around too, I don't know how realistic it is, is Ryan Day at Ohio State. I'm of the opinion that Ryan Day would never leave. But I do think that we agree that they need to go offense because like we've been saying for the last few minutes, the future revolves around Justin Fields and the Bears will one day get back to playing that hard-nosed defense, but it's going to be in the short term. It's going to be a dynamic quarterback that's going to be able to lift them. And if Fields can progress and be the best quarterback in that division, which I think he could be in two years or maybe next year if Aaron Rodgers goes elsewhere, then the Bears could suddenly get back into a place where they could contend. But it just seems like a new – it's beyond time for some new ideas in that department. So what direction would you like to see the Bears go post-Nagy if that's what they choose to do? Well, you mentioned left, which, and I think that he's going to be one of the hottest candidates uh, this time around. He's, you know, it's, it's shocking to me because I remember Byron Leftwich being drafted, but he's 41. And, and, and he's, you know, a mature offensive mind at this point. He was the Cardinals quarterback coach for two years, then was their interim offensive coordinator. And then it's been the offensive coordinator of the defending Super Bowl champions for three seasons and worked with Tom Brady and uh, helped turn Jameis Winston into somebody who could throw 30 touchdowns, even though he threw a lot of interceptions. But you know, it's, there's been progress there, and he's been an excellent uh, coordinator for the Buccaneers. They have an outstanding offense. Now, their offense has a ton of weapons, you know, which is sort of the point we're making about Justin Fields. You've got to get guys around him to make that go. But I think that would be a great fit. I think he's going to be up for several jobs, though. So who knows if he's, if the, the Bears are the ones he's going to take. I, I think Jacksonville's going to go very hard after him as well and try and create some kind of feel-good reunion there and let him develop Trevor Lawrence. Um We'll see what he picks. I think he's going to have his pick. Even a guy like Doug Peterson, who was not exciting with the Eagles, but he knows offense and knows how to develop quarterbacks and did a really good job with both Carson Wentz and, and Nick Foles in Philadelphia. I think that it was the funny, the ironic thing is, I think the Bears are trying to capture some of that Doug Peterson type magic by, by hiring Matt Nagy, and they just didn't get the payoff. Um, obviously, it wore thin in, in Philadelphia, as happens over time, but Peterson's not a bad coach. And, and so there are guys like that. Another guy to look at, and I don't know if he's ready for a head coaching job, but he's been a very good quarterback coach and has developed a lot of players. Pep Hamilton has developed quarterbacks around the league and done an excellent job with that. Uh, I think that he needs to be, you know, if you really want to develop your quarterback, bring him on staff, whether it's as the coach, the offensive coordinator, something. That'd be a guy that the, the Bears could just say, hey, come in and be Justin Fields' mentor. We don't care what else you do. Just be Justin Fields' mentor. Help him work out. Um, so there, there are guys around the league who can do this, who specialize in this kind of thing. And uh, I think they have to find one because Fields is incredibly talented. He's polished but I, in some ways. But I think he's also raw in others. And I think that the playing in the offense he played in in college, that sort of spread offense where he ran a lot, you can translate some of that success to the NFL, but you need to develop as a better pocket passer if you're going to have long-term success. And, and I think that he needs, you know, there's some, some things with his delivery. He needs to shorten up. There's some other things. You just have to get somebody who knows quarterbacks in there to fix it. 
Let's stay in the division for our second coach to be inspected. And this one's a bit controversial. It's Mike Zimmer currently with the Minnesota Vikings. And Zimmer's a guy who has had a lot of success. He's won 10 games three times. They've made the playoffs three times. Overall in Minnesota, he is 71 and 55. This year, he's been tremendous at getting six-point leads. Not so great at securing them at the end of football games right now the vikings sit at seven and eight they will need to win out and get a bunch of help in order to make the playoffs i don't even really know what the permutations look like there but let's just say it's not a clear path for them why did you choose to include zimmer who has outside of one other name on this list probably the most accomplished resume well in eight seasons he's gone to the playoffs three times i mean they did go to the nfc championship game in the 2017-18 season uh, law, it got blown out by Philadelphia, who were the eventual Super Bowl champions, 38 to 7. Uh, but he made the NFC Championship game. And since then, it's, you know, they got to the playoffs two years ago, lost in the, uh, in the divisional round. Um, I just think the last two years, he went 7 and 9 last year. They're 7 and 8 this year. Again, after eight years, sometimes you just need a new voice. They have the talent to be successful right now, and they're not successful. I mean, Kirk Cousins is up and down all the time, but they have a lot of talent on that offense. He's got some playmakers to go to, and they're not, you know, succeeding the way they need to. And he's a defensive guy, and their defense is 25th in the NFL this year in yards per play allowed. They're averaging, they're allowing 5.7 yards per play. Uh, that's not a recipe for success. And uh, the, the, the Vikings this year are 29th in yards allowed. If you're a defensive guru coach, you cannot do that. You know, you have to hang your hat on something. It's sort of like Ryan Pace in Chicago, not having an offense that works when you're an offensive guy. It's, that's an indictment of you. And I just think that we're at a point where after, you know, eight seasons, uh, they just need a new voice there. And back-to-back under 500 season, I mean, if they went out, they can go nine and eight. But that's not it's unlikely to get you into the playoffs this year. Uh, it, but back-to-back seasons underachieving, I, I just feel like at some point you've got to cut bait there and, and move on and maybe re, you know, retool some things on that roster and, and start with a new coach. Yeah, I think the fact that they've been so competitive, that they've led by a touchdown in all games but one, I think, to this point, then being able to win less than half of them, I think – that's a blessing and a curse because that shows that you have a lot of talent, but that also shows that like, for whatever reason, your team relaxes and has a propensity to not finish the job. They're good at starting the job. They're not good at finishing the job. And I think, I don't know where else you look besides the coaching staff for that. He has Kirk cousins and Kirk cousins is good enough to not get you fired. And like, I kind of, I'm slightly, more optimistic about Zimmer's future in Minnesota, because I do think that he is appreciated internally there. Uh, And in cousins is never going to be so bad that you're terrible. But again, within that division, when do you want to take the next step? When do you want to rise to power when Rogers leaves green Bay? Because I tell you as a fan of someone in that, in that division, Minnesota has done a better job than anybody during the Favre and Rogers eras of competing And I think that Minnesota is kind of like the sleeping giant that finally will get a chance to stake its claim as the best team in the NFC North, but maybe they want to like amp that up and inject that and be like, want new blood to be like someone who's like, okay, this is going to be a new era for us. This is not going to be the person who kind of like got us some nice things during his tenure. 
Uh, we want the person who's going to be the big splash, the rah-rah guy, the person who can like codify everybody together and win now. And I think a point to make with Zimmer, I'm impressed with his coaching record in eight, in eight years, but there are not a lot of big playoff wins to speak about. Obviously the Minnesota miracle uh, clouds things a little bit than you saw what happened when they went up against the Eagles in that NFC championship game. You could argue that in the biggest game of his life, he got thoroughly embarrassed. And I'm not really sure what you do with that going forward. Well, and if you look at these numbers, Kyle, I, I hate to, to twist the knife again for a, for a Lions fan, but he's also getting two free wins every year, or he should be getting two free wins every year. So those numbers are a bit inflated in some of the seven and nine, eight and seven, eight and eight years. Uh, but what I would say is that you're right. Green Bay, with their salary cap situation and Aaron Rodgers clearly wanting out, they're going to lose Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams almost certainly this offseason and probably some other people because of how far over the salary cap they are. So they're going to be, if you play this out, they're likely going to be very far down. That does leave an opening. And if the Bears knock out their coaching hire, and Justin Fields becomes the guy that he's supposed to be, they have the chance to jump up over the Vikings, given that they have a pretty, they still have the bones of a pretty good defense. So if you're Minnesota and you really want to make your move, you got to be sure that Cousins is the guy and you got to be sure that Zimmer's the guy to take you to that next level. I don't think he's auditioning very well for that in the future over the last two seasons, especially this year, as you said, they've led in all but one game by six points or more and have seven wins to show for it. What do you have for the Avenue going forward? If they were to explore greener pastures, I mean, the name that is out there that keeps being out there year after year, that makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes in the interview process is Eric Bieniemy. That seems like a really good choice. Uh, Greg Roman has been floated as kind of like this offensive guru, currently the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. What direction or specifically what person do you think that the, the Vikings would consider going if they move on from Zimmer? Given that they've had a defensive guy for eight years, I feel like they'd go offense. I, teams usually tend to do that, to switch things. Um, I, I think I think Roman or uh, – the enemy of both waited their time and i think that both are are certainly uh worthy obviously left which is going to be in the mix for all of these i think he's just going to pick his favorite spot and, and go um i don't think it'll be a money thing i think everybody's going to offer about the same amount of money and, and he's going to go uh find that spot but i, I think that definitely an offensive guy and and, and you know I mean, peterson will be in the mix you know there are all these guys who are getting recycled through again and and i think that uh, certainly one of them makes the most sense after eight years with a defensive guy and the lack of success they've had defensively this year. Our third coach on the list, potentially on the chopping block. He's only had the gig for two years. If you listen to him, it might take seven or eight more. Follow the example of Jay-Z. We're talking about Matt Rule down in Carolina. Now he came in as someone with the pedigree. He came as, he came in as someone who made his bones at Temple, then went to Baylor rejuvenated a couple programs, really was a rah-rah guy, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Queen, Mr. Clean, Mr. Squeaky uh, America. Things have not gone well uh, down there in Carolina. So he goes five and 11 his first year. He's five and 10 right now. That's 10 and 21. Quarterback, 
quarterback problem. Sam Darnold was not the answer. Cam Newton is not the long-term answer. You look at this team and you look at the, the, the division that it's in, and it's clearly the worst of all them. And I just wonder, like, I use the word listless to talk about Nagy and the Bears, and the, and the, the Panthers situation seems worse than listless. The Panthers situation seems like it's just kind of broken. They got Christian McCaffrey, who is arguably the best playmaker in a Swiss Army knife role in the entire NFL. They're kind of wasting what's going to prove to be his prime. There's no long-term option at the quarterback position. And more than anything, the fan base doesn't really seem to be resonating with what Rule is doing. And you take his comments from earlier this week, and I understand what he was trying to say. And I think that there's some validity to what he's driving, but that's not a realistic way to operate in the NFL. And you can't be asking for someone to stick with you for five or six years to finally bring you some winning because there's other people sitting in the wings, who, whether they're going to do it or not, are going to come in with the bravado and the confidence to say, look, I can win now. And I think that the NFL is nothing if not a league that rewards confidence. You know, you're rewarded for making claims whether or not you fulfill them. And it's about selling the idea and moving forward. So a lot of that has to do with how things are operating internally behind the scenes and how the coaching staff is resonating with the players. And we're not privy to all that information. And the information we are privy to is filtered through a specific lens with a specific agenda. But I think when you survive the entire NFL, I think that the Panthers are kind of in one of the worst positions, maybe a bottom five position in the entire NFL, which is saying a lot because Rule was supposed to come in and kind of change the trajectory. And if anything, the trajectory is kind of like trending down. It's not even at like a homeostasis. Yeah, and, and you've also got to blame management for this because they had the eighth pick in the draft and they opted not to take Justin Fields or Mac Jones or someone like that. They opted to stick with Sam Darnold and guarantee the fifth year on his contract. And Sam Darnold certainly a talented guy. We all saw it at USC. That guy can play. He can make plays, all of that. He is not an NFL quarterback. He has not been developed properly, and I think he's probably past the point where he can be developed. And they basically went all in on him this past offseason instead of making a maneuver for a quarterback. Uh, you know, getting it, they got involved a little bit in the Deshaun Watson talks and – you know, kind of dip their toe in there, but no, they, they were going to do the, 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 the Sam Darnold thing and they were going to have the full experience of it. Well, now they're on the hook for a lot of money next year with Sam Darnold. I think it's about 15 million um, for a guy who is probably a backup for the rest of his career. The thing about rule is some of his public comments have certainly turned people off the Jay-Z thing. You know, it could, could take seven years. No, Matt, it's not going to take seven years. It's either going to take three or you're done. We've talked about that earlier on this podcast. The other thing was, you know, talking about how he wanted to run for 200 yards a game or 150. It's like the NFL is a passing league. It is much easier to pass and win than it is to run and win, given the rules now, especially the pass interference rule changes, um, the illegal contact rule changes. All of that makes life so much easier if you throw the ball. And he is wants to be a former offensive line coach, wants to be a hard-nosed running team. You're just making life more difficult for yourself if you do that. And so without a quarterback succession plan, I don't see how Matt Rule works there. Uh, like, like you said, 5-11 and 11 last year, 5-10 and 10 this year, no improvement. They look like they are just stuck in the mud. And I think that's a theme with a lot of these coaches. 
is if you're not improving, what are you doing? You're dying. You're slowly dying if you're not improving constantly. And, and they are not improving. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. I mean, midseason, he fired his offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, and everybody was sort of just like, where did that come from? This was like one of the bright offensive minds in football, and Matt Rule wanted him gone. And Joe Brady, by the way, will have a job next year very quickly, and Matt Rule may not. And so this might be a situation where Matt Rule was a great fit in college for what he wants to do, the kind of things he wants to run, and all of that, the way he wants to run his program. And it may just not fit in the NFL. You know, we don't know details, again, about what's going on behind the scenes, but it may just not translate. A lot of people thought when he was in college, he's a perfect NFL transition guy. Another guy, as you mentioned, Ryan Day. A lot of people say that's a guy who could transition to the NFL and do well because of the way his personality and the way he does things. But you never know until you get there. And so far from that rule, what we've gotten is a very, very disappointing experience. Yeah, the Joe Brady thing, I'm so glad you brought it up. It was super weird. One of the odder things that has happened in the NFL this year because it's absolutely firing, they were five and seven. Like, it's not like they were disastrous. And you looked at the ingredients that he had to make up his delicious stew, and they were a bit lacking. Uh, you know, we've gone over that. And McCaffrey, like I said, I mean, the potential's there, but him being on the field is always kind of like a gamble and a roll of the dice because he's so oft injured. That was super weird. And that is reflective of like this idea that maybe things are not copacetic behind the scenes. Like I, I will make a comparison. I'll bring it back to the Lions right now. Lions are a bad team. They are rebuilding. But you talk to every, every single person you talk to, to a man or a woman says that Dan Campbell controls that locker room. And Dan Campbell has a staff that is all rowing in the same direction. He's got buy-in from his players. Now, I'm not saying that Matt Rule doesn't, but we certainly aren't getting the stories and the narrative floated out there that we're, we're ready to follow this guy into battle wherever he brings us. And I think that is a bit concerning. Kind of the view that I'm taking on Rule, if you had to make me throw something out there right now of what's going on, is I just, he seems to me like someone who's just a bit over his head and not over his head in a way that Urban Meyer was. He's kind of in the same situation as Urban, like, the college stuff hasn't really resonated, but he wants to make it work. He's going to keep trying to make it work. Whereas Urban Punton said, forget this and went on to do whatever he wanted to do. Rule seems like someone who really cares and is really committed. It's just kind of like at a certain point when someone's trying really hard and not getting results, that's almost worse than someone who's like indifferent because it's like, you know, for a fact that it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and, and you look at their offense, and they have DJ Moore. They have Robbie Anderson. They have Terrace Marshall. They spent a high draft pick on him. And, you know, again, Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy. He's only been in seven games this year. Their leading rusher is Chubba Hubbard, you know, who's in 15 games at 509 yards. You know, I mean, there's just there's just a disconnect between, uh, you know, their, their receiving talent there, their quarterback play, which is awful, and then – the running game is it feels non-existent and that's what he wants to focus on it just doesn't feel like anything is working correctly i mean the idea like in the passing game again you have those receivers as a team they're averaging 6.1 yards per attempt which is brutally bad and so and their quarterbacks are combined for a passer rating of 67.5 like just i don't i don't care who you've got back there i know it's not a great situation there they got to be better than that and, and so for a second year in a row to be limping along like this, I, I just think that there's a real good chance they opt to make a move, especially as we've mentioned, there are guys out there. There's a one guy we haven't mentioned is Brian Dayball, who's done a phenomenal job in, in Buffalo. Um, 
you know, uh, Dennis Allen, who's a great defensive head coach or defense, defensive coordinator. There are guys out there who could improve your team year to year. And to not be doing that and to be stuck with uh, Matt Rule really struggling and maybe not having an idea, maybe, you know, figuring it out as he goes, uh, that's not a great recipe for a franchise. Yeah, I'll just tag on to that Brian Dable comment as the person who I would see would be a great fit there because what he was able to do with Josh Allen in Buffalo, again, this is a college guy who went to the NFL who has a proven track record of taking some of the ideas that he learned in college, manifesting them in the NFL. Josh Allen, he yes, he was a super high pick, but he was a project. And the fruits of that labor are, are being seen each and every Sunday. I mean, I, I don't have to tell you this last weekend uh, in New England, you look at Josh Allen and you're like, this is a guy who can win the Super Bowl this year and has the talent to maybe win a few and has got things back on track. Hey, while I have you here, let me tell you about something our friends over at the Players' Tribune are doing. Knuckleheads, the award-winning podcast. Now, this is a show hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. It's something that I've been listening to for a while because you get the player perspective. That is something that's long been devalued in sports media. Let's hear what the players have to say. You know what's a good spot for that? The Players' Tribune. Synergy. Inagortion. All that. Now, the Knucklehead Podcast brings on some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. It's in its seventh season, so you know it has a track record. Maybe it's looking for that second contract, looking to get the max from Utah. I don't know. Maybe a blog post about it. Guests this season include Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, and... DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan having a great year. I don't want to say it's because he was a guest on this podcast, but I'm not not saying it either. Quinn and Darius, they're lifelong friends and they're bonafide truth tellers. Listen as they invite special guests, high profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories in this, the golden era of sports and pop culture. The show is named for the on-court celebration that they made wildly popular. It's an unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast, and it's like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. That's Knuckleheads from the Players' Tribune. Our penultimate coach and maybe the least sexy name on this list is Vic Fangio, and we love Fangs. We really do. We love that he got the coaching gig after so long being an assistant. Very cool. Was a great story plays an absolutely unwatchable brand of football. Like I think he would prefer to lose 13 to nine than win 35 to 31, which is, which is very weird. Um, The Broncos went seven and nine in 2019, five and 11, 2020. They're seven and eight this year. They are in that no man's land. They have struggled between shuffling the deck with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke the elephant in the room. We can get to this in a minute. I think this is where Aaron Rodgers plays football next year. And I don't think that Vic Fangio is the coach to lead Aaron Rodgers. What are your thoughts on Fangs who I think on one hand, it's pretty admirable that he's been able to win football games with this lackluster roster. I mean, yes, I know that their receiving core is awesome and they have a good running game. They just don't have you got to have a quarterback who's dynamic and can do it. And I think that he's kind of made the best of it 
It's just, I think that we've kind of seen his ceiling. And I don't think that I have a lot of confidence that if you give him an embarrassment of talent, he's going to walk away with a 13 and four year. I think he's kind of going to grind it down to a 10 and seven variety. Yeah. Vic Fangio is 63 years old and waited a long time to be a head coach again. I remember when the Chargers drafted, were about to draft Ryan Leaf and they were picking a coach. Vic Fangio was a candidate. Like, you've been a candidate forever, and he finally got his job. Uh, because I remember they were picking, the Chargers were going to pick between Vic Fangio or Kevin Gilbride. You know, and, and it was just like, okay. And, and, and so he's been a phenomenal defensive coordinator for a long time. He's sort of Wade Phillips-ish. He goes to places, fixes their defense, but he's not a head coach. And, and I feel like what the 19 and 28 that he is in three years, I think that's about the best he can do, uh, just given the system he wants to run and the way he wants to play. He could then go be a Super Bowl defensive coordinator you know, on, on a Super Bowl winning team. And I think that, as mentioned with Matt Nagy, I think he's probably a guy who's just a coordinator, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some guys are just really good at that. And um, I, I just feel like after three years, even if it's not his fault, after three years, you kind of need to change the calculus if you're not getting where seven and nine, five and 11, seven and eight, you're not getting anywhere. And it's just sort of a bland brand of football, a bland roster. They need to change things. And you're right. The quarterback is the huge issue here. Teddy Bridgewater, I just think, and I wrote about him this week about how he's going to probably lose his starting job. He was serviceable this year. But Teddy Bridgewater's the guy who's going to be the best backup in the league or one of, the, one of the three or four best backups in the league. He's not a starting quarterback that's going to lead you to any kind of victories. Drew Locke, clearly a mess. Like that was, a, you know, they, we've seen a string of quarterback draft picks in Denver that should make you sick. Uh, even if you're an opposing fan, you feel bad for them. They've just struck out consistently uh, with, with quarterback draft picks. So Fangio is a victim of circumstance, and the fact that he's gotten them to 7-8 and eight this year and 7-9 and and is his first year uh, were, is pretty you know, admirable. I just don't think he's the guy to win a Super Bowl. And what are you doing? You're trying to win a Super Bowl. And I just he's not a Super Bowl winning coach. As you said, if Aaron Rodgers goes there, he's not going to play for Vic Fangio. He's going, they're, they're going to bring somebody in. That, that Aaron Rodgers likes, a dynamic personality that he gets along with. Uh, we don't know Rodgers is going to end up there, but I think it's, it's one of the two or three places that make the most sense. Um, so, yeah, I would say there's just no upside here with Fangio. This is what you get. And, and I think that after three years, it's long enough. You know, if it had been two years, maybe you say, well, maybe he'll figure it out next year if you put the right coaches around. After three years, you know what you got, and, and it's time to move on, especially you're looking in that division. You've got the Chiefs. You've got the Chargers with an excellent roster, even though they, they step on their foot every, every other week, it feels like. They've got the talent to keep winning. The Raiders are going to get a new coach, and they look like they've got a pretty darn good offense and, and maybe some, some nastiness on that team. You've got to be improving. You've constantly got to be improving in the NFL. Unless you're doing a full rebuild, you've constantly got to be improving and finding the guy who can get you one or two more wins a year that gets you into the playoffs if you're 7-9 and nine or 7-10 and 10 every year. You've got to find somebody who can win you games, win you extra games. And Vic Fangio is not that guy. You summed it up beautifully by saying, can you win a Super Bowl with Vic Fangio? And I, I don't think that you can. That's what I was going to ask. I don't think you can. And the reason why I don't think you can win a Super Bowl is I don't think you can win a Super Bowl playing his style of football. Yes, Kyle Shanahan has had tremendous success by relying on defense. And he had Jimmy Garoppolo 10 minutes from winning a Super Bowl. You need an embarrassment of talent like that on both sides of the football. 
And I, and ultimately, you know what? Kyle Shanahan didn't win because all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes showed up and was just alpha it and, and he was more dynamic. So it's kind of like best case scenario. He gets in there and he's trying to be like Brian Billick uh, from the turn of the century Ravens uh, with, with your Trent Dilford de jour back there. I just think that there's more attractive ways to do it. And it's just so uninspiring that if you sit at the beginning of the year and you're like, this is the least explosive offense, any team in their division, then how the hell, how in the hell could you possibly think that you're going to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL? It doesn't make any sense. I did want to throw this out there. My global brain idea for the Broncos involves someone we talked about just a moment ago, and that's bringing Mike Zimmer back into town because he has a relationship with that organization, with that front office. It'd be a change of scenery if Aaron Rodgers is involved. I think that Rodgers respects what Zimmer has done in his career, and Zimmer knows exactly what works. Get the band back together. That's kind of like a girl. That's kind of an out there idea. I don't hate it because wherever you go, you're either going to take a chance on someone who hasn't doesn't have a proven track record in the NFL. And through our conversation about Zimmer, I think that we agree that he has his benefits. So that's my idea, unless you have a better one, which I'm sure you do. How about Dan Quinn, who's done a phenomenal job with the Dallas Cowboys this year? I think things just, you know, the, the roster kind of fell apart in Atlanta over time as Matt Ryan got older and, and some guys were Julio Jones was injured a lot. What Dan Quinn has done with Dallas, with that defense, with Micah Parsons, Tank, uh, Tank, you know, Dexter Lawrence, or I mean, sorry, Tank Lawrence, uh, Randy Gregory, uh, they've really turned it around this year. And, and, and while we <clears throat> pay so much attention to Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and, and Amari Cooper, that defense is the reason Dallas is, <clears throat> has a chance as number one seed in the NFC. And I think that he could be a great option you know, if you want to continue with that defensive mindset, if you bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's going to fix the offense, you bring in a good offensive coordinator for him, and you want to continue to have a defensive a defense first mentality that you might need in that division going up against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Derek uh, Carr. Maybe that's the guy you go for. And then, there, of course, there's the other guys we've mentioned that are that are in line, Dayball, Leftwich, you know, whoever. Uh there's there's options available for you to do something with somebody with a little more upside than than what you get from Vic Fangio. So I think there are options available. I just think that, you know, with Fangio, I think again, he, it's not it's not for a lack of trying. It just feels like this is the ceiling. The final name on this list, I don't know if it's a surprising one, but it's an extremely accomplished one. It is someone who has 21 playoff wins. He has a Super Bowl. He is one yard and a bad offensive play call away from having two. He's been paired up with a Hall of Fame quarterback for many years. That relationship seems to have run its course, and it's Pete Carroll in Seattle. I'm just going to seed the ground and let you talk about how things seem like they're reaching a logical endpoint for Carroll in the city where he is beloved and brought a tremendous amount of success. Yeah, look, he's going to get a statue outside that stadium at some point, you know. 12 seasons, he's been in the playoffs nine times. He's won a Super Bowl, took him to another one, constantly winning that division or second in that division. You know, one of, I think until about maybe a year and a half, two years ago, the Seahawks were, other than the Patriots, the model organization. They were the model organization in the NFC. Constantly winning, constantly producing. 
But there's a problem there. And, and the, the longtime problem has been they do not draft well. And Carroll is as involved with that as anybody. He and the GM work together. Uh, they had no first-round pick from 2013 to 2015. That's three drafts with no first-round pick because of trades and, and maneuvers they made. Uh, they took Jermaine Effetti in 2016 to play tackle. He's not there anymore. Uh, 2017, didn't have a pick. 2018, Rashad Penny, a running back who has been injured his entire career. 2019, LJ Collier, not really doing a whole lot. 2020, Jordan Brooks, linebacker out of Texas Tech, not really doing a whole lot. 2021, 2022, no picks either. So they're not replenishing their roster. And, and you're seeing the LA Rams do that right now. And that's going to come back to bite you eventually. And it has for Seattle. The problem is they can't protect Russell Wilson. That is his biggest problem with the organization. They do not protect him. They've tried. They've struck out with guys. Uh, they've always tried to be creative in their roster management, but they get guys. When, when, you're, when you try and go outside the box like that and do things that nobody else does, you may hit on some things, but you're also going to miss on a lot. And that has been a huge problem in Seattle. They have missed on some guys. They take like an undersized defensive end because they like his speed. Well, he gets pushed around, doesn't work. They take a linebacker who's unconventional, but they like what he does, doesn't work. I mean, there are plenty examples of this for the, the Seahawks over the years. And the problem is now in 2021, you are five and 10. Russell Wilson missed a chunk of this year, probably came back too early, but you're five and 10. And you've messed up the roster to the point where there's no help in the pipeline. It doesn't feel like it feels like this is at the logical end of a long, wonderful 12 year run where you were one of the best franchises in football. And I think, as I said, with, with Mike Zimmer, sometimes you just need a change of voice. And, and I feel like that's where this is with Pete Carroll and, 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 you know, he's 70 years old. I, I don't think Pete Carroll would ever retire on his own, but, I think that that's the that's the logical conclusion here. That just that this is going to end, and uh, you know they might get rid of him in, a, in, a, in hopes of keeping Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson's gone no matter what. But if he does go, then why not just blow the whole thing up and start with a new vision and a new build? You don't have a first round pick to spend on a quarterback, but maybe you get one in exchange for Russell Wilson and can can start building that future. So. I just think this is the logical end of what's going to happen in Seattle. I think that maybe starting over with a new quarterback, that's just not going to work with Pete Carroll. I think that he and Russell Wilson, that was a marriage, a lesser Brady Belichick kind of situation where they just went together and now it's over. And I think you need to start over. Yeah. I mean, he's 70 years old and it's not to say that he can't coach. He certainly still can. I think that if he had a team around him that could win, they would be winning. Um, you know, some of that is on him and you make a great point in terms of like the organizational structure. I mean, they were always kind of the uniform. Yes, they were the model organization, but they were the model organization because it's Russell Wilson was being paid so little that they could divert their resources into other avenues that other NFLs couldn't do. So it was not so much like a model. It was just kind of like an aspirational thing, but it's like, okay, well, then you're going to have to go find an inexpensive quarterback to build around. And Tom Brady kind of did the same thing by taking less money with New England. But that is, you know, that's the ideal situation. That's what everybody pines for. Everybody wants. It's really hard to create out of whole cloth. I think that the end for Pete Carroll is going to come largely because Pete Carroll is not going to want to stick around for a rebuild. It's not so much like Pete Carroll, you need to get out of town because even at 70 years old, he's, he's way a, too competitive to do that. He's way too competitive. He's way too energetic. He's a guy I think could coach until he's 80. And I hope he does somewhere else. 
else. I, it would be great to see him go back to the college game or take a new opportunity somewhere else. But I don't know if you're Pete Carroll, why you want to stick around um, for a rebuild in Seattle. Look at what's going on in that division. Look at San Francisco. They have Trey Lance waiting in the wings. Look at the Los Angeles Rams. They have Matthew Stafford in a Super Bowl window that's going to be expanding forward a few years. You have the Arizona Cardinals and you have Kyler Murray, who's in the opening chapters of what could be a Hall of Fame career with a coach that I think is going to be around there for continuity for many years to come. And it's kind of like, look, do we want to be last in our own division for two or three years? Try to strike it big with the next quarterback prospect. And that's a huge point to all this. And, and in closing, I kind of want to just bring up why it's so difficult for Seattle to rebuild is because there's going to be an incredible free agent class of quarterbacks available. And we all think that one is going to be leaving Seattle named Russell Wilson. Teams are going to want to get the Deshaun Watsons, the Russell Wilsons. They're going to want these established entities. It kind of started with Stafford last year, opened up the floodgates. Why would you want to go through the draft? And it's a weak class to begin with now. I mean, like Kenny Pickett might be a top 10 pick when it's all is said and done, but he doesn't have top 10 talent. Any other quarterback is going to be someone that you maybe want to try to get in a second round and, and strike gold with. I just, those seem like a three-year project. Like I know that Tua is having a good year, his second year. Uh, Joe Burrow has been fantastic. Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. You're not going to get someone at like 35 through 55, wherever you're drafting or even in the third round, that's going to come in and provide immediate impact to the point where you're going to be able to compete in that really tough division. So Maybe, You're not finding Russell Wilson again. Basically. No, you found him. That's your unicorn. And that's great. Most people never get an opportunity to have a player like that uh, who can be the cornerstone of a franchise and allow you to build the, the supplementary arms around him. And that's great for Carroll for maximizing it. Although, again, I go back to that play call. He should have two Super Bowls. It just doesn't really seem like there's a path for him to keep winning and playing meaningful football in Seattle in the near term. And now he's a smarter guy than I uh, so maybe he's got it all figured out, but I just am not really seeing the board very clearly at this point. No, and honestly, a good fit for Pete Carroll would be somewhere like Denver if they get Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, there there are paths available there. And and I, I just think that, yeah, if they're going to rebuild, they're going to rebuild with somebody new. I, I think you're going to blow up the whole thing and start from the beginning. And, and you're right about Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett wouldn't have been in the top five quarterbacks taken last year. You know, and, and, and now he's going to be, what, a top 10, top 15 pick probably because somebody's going to need a quarterback and move up and grab him earlier than they should. Um, so, yeah, there's just nobody out there that looks like an immediate turnaround. Maybe they can work a trade to receive a quarterback somehow or something, but what assets do they have? They don't have a first-round pick. You know, what are they going to use to get one? So they use that on Jamal Adams, which has turned out to be a mess of a trade, and now they're – five and ten and could really use that high pick that they gave up so that those kind of trades are fine if you're winning because it's the back end of the first round but they've really kind of stuck it to themselves here uh this year uh so yeah i think it's a sad end there because i think the, the seattle whether you liked them or not they were always kind of fun to see how energetic Pete carroll was on the sidelines this year has just been depressing to watch him on the sidelines it's just it's sad when he's losing and um they just it was a really well-run organization that did a lot of good things but it, the the lack of of drafting and the lack the lack of holding on to those assets has really come back to bite them and i think that that there probably needs to be a new voice in the room after 12 years maybe in lieu of kind of going through the prospects that we that we've already we've hit the the dabbles the left witches 
um, in terms of what's next for Seattle. I'll give you an off-the-board candidate that I've been thinking about, and that's Chris Peterson, who left the Washington Huskies job very early, kind of stepped away from the game, just didn't want to do it, Was had tremendous success there, is from the area, is already a legend in Seattle. Like To me, if he ever wanted to scratch that itch again, the pro game is different than the collegiate game. There's no recruiting. I mean, you can go back and forth, which what's more demanding time-wise and stuff like that. But that's just one thing where if it became a possibility, I'd love to see it because I think he's going to have tremendous success no matter what he wants to do, whether that's remaining in broadcasting, whether it's going back to something uh, on Saturdays or if it wants to be in Sundays, that's, that's the perfect fit. Did you have any uh, get-rich-quick schemes like Chris Peterson uh, knocking around in that noggin of yours? Well, Peterson's interesting because he definitely wants to get back into coaching. I mean, he's put his name, he's kind of floated his name out there behind the scenes for a few jobs and really didn't hit. I, he was interested in the USC job a little bit. I, I think that would have been too demanding for him with the recruiting requirements needed to win there. Uh, but he kind of was, you know, interested in it, floated it. That'd be an interesting name. Um, I think there are, you know, some college guys. I think Matt Campbell would be an interesting pick. If you're going to do a full-scale rebuild, bring in a, a, a dynamic young college guy who's turned down NFL opportunities before, but a chance to do it in Seattle might, you know, be a, a place that's had success, has a great fan base. All of that is really attractive. Um, that'd be an interesting one. And then, of course, all the guys that we've, we've mentioned before would all fit there. Um, I, I do think they will probably go younger after, you know, having a 70-year-old head coach. I think that maybe they'll want to go for some dynamism, you know, somebody younger, more energetic. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's a lot of people. Who, I mean, look, it's, it's a really good organization. There's money there. The fan base is great. The stadium is great. It's an attractive destination for free agents if you're willing to, you know, pay the same money as everybody else. Um, and you've seen guys have success there, and they've been a well-run organization. I think it can turn around. Uh, I just think that they need a new, a new, a new spot to go, and and they'll find somebody. I think it'll be one of the more attractive jobs available if uh, they do, in fact, decide to, to part ways with Carroll. And I don't think Carroll, by the way, would be a firing. I think it would be a negotiated sort of like, all right, we're parting ways. I, I there's just too many good feelings around that whole situation that I don't think it would be like Pete Carroll fired today by the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think that'll be the, the headline. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, and, and it's weird. I mean, and that, that can kind of close our conversation here is like, I'm always slightly reluctant to talk about this stuff uh, and, and do these posts about like, who's going to lose their job. But in reality, like, these are the conversations that are happening. And it's more reflective of how demanding the NFL is and how we get this churn and this turnover year after year after year. It's not saying this person deserves to lose their job. It's just teams and organizations do things because they want to be proactive. They want to like be able to point to something and say, Hey, we're trying, we made a move. And I think that doing something is better than doing nothing. Even if doing nothing is going to be a long-term benefit for your team, because it kind of shows that you're taking things seriously or if you're proactive or it's to satiate fans or others who don't feel like their needs are being addressed by, by the organization. So it's kind of like, we're going to get this, each and every single year. No one be, should be surprised by any of these names on the list because this conversation has been going on and on. And honestly, like there's going to be some names that we didn't talk about today that we're sitting here the Monday after the last game. And it's just like, oh, wow, they're moving on from him or this person is, is leaving, you know, like who knows what the deal is with Ron Rivera or anything like that. Like 
there's always going to be those surprises. The demand to win now is super high. Ryan, any closing thoughts on, on the state of NFL coaching and uh, the, the carousel that it can be? Just to reiterate, I think the patience is, is leaving the station. I, I think that you have to show something early on as an NFL coach or you're going to go. And, and I also think that, you know, if you, even if you've been successful for a long time, as we talked about with Pete Carroll, you have a really bad season and a bad roster and doesn't look like there's any hope moving forward, you could be on your way out. So I think that the NFL has become a lot more of a win-now business that we've seen out of the NBA and Major League Baseball for a long time. I think that's starting to rub off in the NFL a little bit because, again, with a good coach, the ability to turn things around really quickly exists. So, uh, yeah, so if you're, if, you're, if you're listening to NFL coaches, you, you better get it working quick. Yeah, and actually, more importantly, if you're listening, I got some really intriguing new ideas about an offensive system. It involves a man in motion every single play. A 6-8 tight end split out wide on man coverage, kind of get a cornerback out there. You give it to the sweeping guy. He has the opportunity to take it on a sweep, run the ball, or throw it up there for a jump ball. Now, don't all get to me at one time because I have a crowded inbox and I don't want anybody to feel left out. But if you're intrigued, please drop me a line. Thanks for listening. This has been the Kyle Coster show. Keep it tuned to the big lead, the best of seven podcast celebrate Ryan Phillips for all that he does and have a happy new year. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.